What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. And once again, we are broadcasting this episode from our home here in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado, and we still want to make sure that you are up to date regarding the different types of camping available here in the valley and where those different types of camping are permitted. So we have included a link to an article in the show notes to this episode. So check out that article so that we can all keep doing our part to be good stewards of this place we love. And one more thing, tomorrow we are continuing our series on the current state of helmet tech and R&D over on our Gear 30 podcast. And we have an outstanding conversation with Oscar Huss, who is the head of product for POC Sports. It is a really good and really informative conversation. And so subscribe to our Gear 30 feed to catch that conversation. And now we've got part two of Bikes versus Skis. In part one, we asked a bunch of questions like, which bike and ski company are currently holding the cool kids belt? And we also asked, which bike and ski company would you buy stock in right now? And today, what we're going to be doing in part two is going through a bunch of specific companies and giving our current answers to the question, which bike and ski companies are most similar right now and why? And we also want to hear what your answers to these questions are. So do leave your answers in the comments section of the show notes to this episode on the Blister website. And with that, here we go. All right. Well, folks, we are back with Luke Coppa, David Golay, and Eric Friesen. And, you know, me. Time for part two, bikes versus skis. And this week... Because we kind of want to do a volume play, we're going to kind of keep it moving as best we can on this. I feel like we say that a lot and then, you know, Luke is nodding vigorously. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We're, we're optimistic tonight. But let's just jump into this. People will quickly, I think, get the game here. But I want to start with a company that we talked a good bit about in our last conversation, and that would be transition. David, tell us a little bit about transition as a company, how you kind of sum them up, and then who's going to be your pick for the corresponding ski company? Yeah. So for transition, I would say they're kind of, they're an independent company, but a relatively large one for this sort of scale they're operating on. They are really kind of focused on fun times, party vibes with their branding and marketing and are most known for making pretty aggressive geometry, modern, slack, long bikes. And so the company that I went with for my analog to transition is Moment. I think scale-wise, they're a pretty good comparison. They're both into doing kind of free ride sort of bikes and skis, respectively, predominantly, and then have some similarities in their branding to an extent. I mean, Moments is a little more metal vibe and transitions is a little more fun and party, but they, in the sense that they have kind of a very clear, cohesive message behind the brand and how they choose to market themselves. There's a matchup there. Luke Coppa, agree, disagree. Is there a better answer? I think David's answer 
probably makes the most sense. But I found when we were when I was putting together my list, I can't really put geography out of my mind. And so I thought O3P, because they're also a Pacific Northwest company and they like moment they're indie arguably similar design intents maybe the marketing doesn't match up quite as well and probably not the scale but those were moment and o and 3p were my two top answers for that yeah and i i'm kind of with you luke i was kind of thinking harder about the geographical proximity weighting that more than like the size of the companies eric thoughts on this one transition I would have gone with moment skis as well, but I, I think another one that's worth throwing into the hat here would be J skis with their fun times, party vibe kind of, uh, outlook and marketing and, and atmosphere. Yeah. I don't think the, the skis and the bikes don't quite align as nicely as the other two that we've discussed, but in terms of, you know, probably like-minded and, and similar branding J skis, I think could be in, in the ring as well. We'll be talking about Jay skis later, but I think there would be some other reasons why I didn't have them in mind as a pairing. But anyway, all right. We had two on moment, two on O and three P for transition with like a fifth place on the podium for Jay skis. I guess that's how that went. Honorable mention. Let's talk about propane. David, I want to give you this one again. How, how would you sum up propane? Yeah. So for propane, they're a European brand that is medium well-established over there, but is now making a big effort to make inroads into the North American market where they have not previously had too much of a presence. Uh, They're making some really interesting bikes. And my pick for matching them up to a brand was Majesty in the Euro brand that's making a push into coming into the US. I think the scales are probably at least not too far off. And that was how I looked at that one. Again, you were getting vigorous nodding from Luke Kappa. Luke? Yeah, I had the same answer for basically the same exact reason. I kind of ironically, like both brands, I'm not as familiar with as a lot of other brands because they've been moving more aggressively into North America recently. But that kind of, that was the, the aspect of both that made me pair them together. Eric, thoughts on propane? I don't think, I I think this is going to be a lot of the third person saying I wouldn't really argue there. Um, But another interesting one might be Faction as well. Um, Some pretty cool, interesting designs, brand that's, you know, really trying to make a push to be big here and has been a little bit longer. Uh, Kind of a go fast philosophy and mentality generally. So might be another one. Okay. Let's keep it moving. I'm going to, I've got some probably other things I want to say about faction in that, in this context, but, uh, I'm curious about this one. Gorilla gravity, Luke Kappa. What are your thoughts on this one? My choice for gorilla gravity was, I had a hard time with this one, but I thought renown mostly because of the way that both companies are pushing, basically construction and materials, Gorilla Gravity with their unique carbon process, renowned with their HDT or Vibe Stop or whatever it's called these days. Um, and both kind of on the smaller end of the spectrum, um, but mostly it was the, the construction perspective for me. And why that one never entered my mind, even though I think your rationale is a good one, Luke, 
again, in terms of like their own branding, positioning, marketing, they're kind of almost polar opposites. Mm -hmm. You're right. While there is a genuine materials story from both of those companies, I can't believe that I just used the word story. I hate myself right now. <laughs> I hate when that, that's like the, oh my God. This, this is, is sad, great content. <laughs> this is a sad moment for me right now. Um, uh, this just shows I get way too many emails. I've received way too many emails in my inbox over the last 11 years with every company on earth telling me about their new whatever brand story, which just means this is our new... finally leaking in. <laughs> uh, it's terrible. Anyway, recovering from my pathetic moment there. Yeah, so while they both genuinely are doing interesting things with materials, some brands frankly are not. That's not their thing, right? They are, but yet Gorilla Gravity has a far more kind of punk rocky-ish thing going. And I don't think anyone has ever called Renown punk rock. Not yet. <laughs> no. Luke, is that your is that your priority yeah. for this coming no, season? Luke? Just uh, in in a few weeks, you're going to get another email in your inbox with a whole new brand story for Renown. <laughs> the the Renown Pit Viper collab. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, David Golay, thoughts on Gorilla Gravity? Yeah, I think everything that you both said is more or less correct. As far as my particular selection for this one, I and this is where I put ON3P. And uh, to the earlier point, I did sort of think about them as a matchup for transition, but decided that moment fit better, mostly for scale reasons on that one. And then I think ON3P works here. They're a little closer scale-wise, probably. They both have kind of a reputation for building things on the burly side. And the branding I think is a little more matched up than it is with renown. So I think that's a pretty good answer. Freeson. I think I'm just going to slot into my role of third wheel option that nobody really likes, but I throw it out there anyways. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm going to go with Kai shapes was one that definitely came to mind um, in comparing gorilla gravity to ski companies, just kind of that focus on ride quality above all outs, uh, you know, fairly, you know, small, relatively new brands, um, and, you know, fairly like rider centric and focused in terms of delivering something that a core user group is going to be pretty excited about. So cow shapes. All right. I'm still not sure this is like the right answer, but I think that if I get to assume for a second, the role of like judge here, I think I'm going with David's ON3P both manufacturing in the US, a bit of a similar-ish kind of brand vibe, marketing vibe. So I still don't feel like we've hit maybe the exact analogy there, but um, I think of the ones we've thrown out, I'm going to give it to David with ON3P. So you all should let us know in the comments section if we messed up on this one for Gorilla Gravity. All right, next one, Comensal. Luke, how do you think of or define the Comensal brand and then who would you line them up with? As a, you know, as our rider of Comensal bikes, you are the current <laughs> Comensal guy. Yeah, as of like, I guess a month now. Main things, they only do metal bike, metal frames, they're direct to consumer. 
they have a lot of really talented racers on their bikes. They tend to prioritize good suspension over lightweight components or high-end drivetrain parts. And honestly, like I had, I had trouble with this one. My take was uh, Moment Skis. I think the brand kind of the <laughs> vibe was the word that kept coming to mind when I was putting these together, which is very ambiguous and not all that useful. But I think, yeah, marketing vibe is kind of similar. They're both direct to consumer. Um, but this is one where I think I had, I had a lot of trouble and I'm guessing someone has a much more uh, well thought out answer. David Golay. I don't think mine's perfect either, but what I had slotted in here is J. And so the ways I think it is good are that they're both brands that are pretty specifically known for being direct to consumer. They both tend to make heavy stuff that prioritizes suspension. They both are relatively well-priced largely in part due to that direct consumer deal so that there are things you see under a lot of younger riders and skiers. Where it starts to fall apart is that Jay doesn't exactly have the all-seeing, all-destroying race team that Comensal does. So that angle on it, it definitely works less well, but there are at least some facets where they match up pretty well. Eric? I would have said Jay Skis as well as my best answer, but uh, I'm going to also throw out uh, Stokely as a very heavy, damp, racy, go-fast brand, and people who are on those skis generally seem to be pretty concerned about getting down the hill as fast as possible, which generally seems to align with a lot of the common saw riders that I see. Okay, but does literally any person on earth own both a common saw bike <laughs> and a pair of Stokely skis? I'm going to go with two, maybe two. Thoughts, Luke? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I'd agree with you there. The other thing that came to mind when I was uh, doing this comparison was Commonsol, I think, makes some of the best uh, video content themselves out of any brand. And with that in mind and a few other reasons, Faction was my yep. second place because I think both of them in terms of like they're just creating video stuff for them by themselves for themselves. Um, both have some really talented uh, directors and cinematographers that seem to be either part-time or full-time. And I really like watching videos from both of them, but that would be like a honorable mention. Maybe faction was actually my answer for common salt, but it, I didn't like love it. It felt like it didn't totally align, but thinking a lot about, your line of reasoning right there, Luke, I was kind of struggling. So faction J skis, but definitely not Stokely is I think what we, <laughs> I think what we arrived at there related question, <laughs> sorry, Eric. related question. Somebody made a comment, I think on our last episode, when we were talking about, you know, the cool kids belt and who is currently holding the title the comment was made that Commonsol and Norco, two companies that we had at least thrown into the mix or considered for currently holding the Cool Kids belt, that both of those companies were too big to kind of truly hold the Cool Kids belt, which raises the question, should it or does it 
just definitely happened that once a company gets to be of a certain size, they're sort of no longer eligible for the cool kids belt. Cause like to me that it doesn't seem like that should be the case, but maybe just because something doesn't seem like it should be the case, it kind of still is the case. So what are you, what are your guys thoughts on that one? I think that being a medium sized to larger company doesn't categorically rule you out, but it makes it harder. Like you, you don't, you don't get the small company. I barely ever see one out on the hill points. And so there are other ways that you could sort of make that up and and get there, but it's a handicap, if that makes sense. And I mean, I guess, you know, part of if you're that big and you're doing that much volume, whether of skis or bikes, it kind of means that you have to be selling to a broader section of the population. Yeah. Until we start cool kids bike company and of course cool kids will be in air quotes like big big heavy quotation marks you know cool kids bike company and then we say like you have to be an air quote cool kid or we won't sell you the bike so we'll have like the worst riders and probably the you know worst people riding our you know air quote cool kids bikes out there but it will be a very specific niche and we'll just do our best to really do massive volume with that specific niche. I, I'm getting no, every just blank faces staring back. Is there going to be a mandatory interview before buying one of these bikes? Is that how it works? Yeah. Is that how we're weeding people yeah. out? And if, and if Friesen's like, I don't know, I kind of like this guy, then like we ruled him out. <laughs> yeah. Then maybe like not eligible. <laughs> yeah. That like brings up something that I was thinking about too, not actually related to this conversation, but I was just in Leadville and Leadville has Melanzana clothing. They, in my mind, really cool brand. They make all their stuff in Leadville, which is rare, but they've become extremely popular. And I was, I stayed the night in Leadville and they open at 10 and there was a line around the block on a Monday morning for people who wanted to be able to buy their sweatshirts. And I think that's an example of a brand that went from pretty underground Mm -hmm. to now, if you've been, if you just moved to Colorado and you've been here for three weeks, you're probably going to go get a Melanzana. And I mean, it's, there's no rush like logic behind it, but it's becoming less of a cool brand in my mind, I think because of that popularity and notoriety. Man, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, exactly. If you're not doing volume, you're struggling, can't <laughs> feed the family. And then if you are doing volume, freaking Luke Coppa's calling you out on podcasts. So like, how do you win in this world? It's tough. Eric, you want to close us out on this topic? Sure. There might be a, uh, a third door here. Um, you see it quite a bit where brands will offer a uh, extra spicy build or one bike that's really or ski that's really out of alignment with a lot of the rest of what they do. Pretty clearly targeted towards, um, you know, like your your one percenters in terms of like either athletes or people who are looking for something highly specific and usually fairly aggressive in terms of like numbers or behaviors. Um, I think that can be a way to slot yourself into some sort of pseudo cool kids bracket while still doing volume. Yeah. 
I want a pseudo cool kid sweatshirt now. <laughs> pseudo cool kid? Okay. <laughs> this is really evolving. Um, I've actually been, since our last conversation, really thinking about the design of this t-shirt and like exactly how you would do kind of the air quotes or if you could sort of, you know, get like a fingers like the, you know, actual fingers making actual air quotes on this thing. So I've thought about this more than I care to admit. But David did tell me when we make them, he's definitely in for one. So yeah. I did say that. That's true. But maybe it'll evolve. It's pseudo cool kid, Luke. That's what you're. No, that's the, that's the separate label. So we can stay cool. (laughs) Like Eric said. (laughs) This is what the brand pivots to after the air quotes, cool kids ones become too saturated and aren't cool anymore. (laughs) You guys are geniuses. I am just honored to be in your company right now. This is amazing. All right. Well, since Eric's talk of kind of the private label or making a couple of skis, you know, that sort of are definitely not put out there, you know, or even marketed for like everybody, you've got me certainly thinking about Rosignal right now, Eric. Rosy has enjoyed a lot of success in the last several years with their Black Ops 118. We don't need to call it the actual name now. We're just going to call it the Black Ops 118. We happen to be huge fans of that Razi Sender Squad, which is only available in 194 centimeter length. Though I'm campaigning behind the scenes to get them to offer some other lengths in that ski as well, because it's awesome. But anyway, let's kind of go reverse. I'm going to ask you guys, which bike company do you think best aligns with Rosignal? So a heritage brand, been around a long time, French company, they are hitting all categories of skis. Who do you want to align with them in the bike world? David, what do you got? I went with Specialized for this one. I think they're both huge brands that make something in absolutely every category you can imagine. And the reason that I went with them out of one of the other couple of options that you might have put in there just on a sort of scale matchup was kind of in this vein that Specialized has a couple of bikes that despite them being the big massive company are actually sort of the cool, not super heavily marketed, little bit more underground, but actually really interesting bikes. The status being the most obvious one of those. And then to a somewhat lesser extent, the Stump Jumper Evo also. And so I think that was where I kind of saw those two matching up most clearly. Luke? Yeah, I had the same thing for all the same reasons. Um, my roommate has been looking online for status frames every day, every hour of the day for the past few months. Um, so I haven't stopped hearing about that. Although it is, I think, similar to when Rosie came out with the original Black Ops where there was no info on it. That's exactly how the status has been, which like he couldn't even find info on like what bottom bracket he should get and stuff like that where it's borderline annoying. But yeah, I think big brand that has released some really exciting stuff. I think it matches up pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked in a little bit, but last I checked, they literally didn't even have that bike listed on their website. Oh, yeah, they don't. I think you can maybe find it if you like use a VPN and go to a different like country or something like that. But yeah, it's kind of silly. Friesen, you okay with the specialized Rosignal pairing? Yeah, I think it fits best. Okay, let's keep it moving. I want to kind of cluster here a few of our 
biggest bike manufacturers. So we've just talked about Specialized, paired them with Rozzy. What would you do with Trek? For Trek, I went with Atomic. Again, we're doing big heritage brand. They, of those, uh, I think they match up best in that they both have a little bit more kind of involvement on the for Trek on the roadside and Atomic on the race side of things than, say, Specialized or Rossi or Solomon, etc. And both have been making things kind of notably light of late in part two. And so for that reason, I think that was the best matchup I had. Luke, you okay with that one? I had Atomics as well, and I honestly didn't really know why, but I'm just going to pretend like it was for all those very specific reasons that David listed. <laughs> exactly my answer, Luke. So, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. David said everything I was going to say exactly. So, <laughs> Eric, did you have a different, do you have a different take on this one? Not really. I think you can make a case for head skis as well for the same reasons, but, uh, you know, I got no contest here. Since you bring up head skis, let's reverse engineer that one. Another huge brand by some metrics, I think, and who knows, I don't have the latest numbers, but often I think head is selling the most skis in the world. Again, among like rental skis, demo skis, everything right in kind of all the markets around the world thoughts about i mean if we're if we're cool with lining Rozzy up with specialized and we're kind of like in the atomic trek thing it feels like we're sort of headed to pairing up head with giant oh david galay vigorously shaking his head no david why not well for one thing i have a a company that i think matches up with giant much better specifically and then on top of that i went with scott for matching up to head for actually fairly similar reasons to what I said for Trek and Atomic, um, I was maybe wrongly thinking that Head was just a touch smaller in terms of sales volume than Rozzy and Atomic and so on. Apparently, I might have been incorrect about that, but that was my thinking behind it. Uh, and there are both Scott and Head are companies that have, um, again, pretty strong road and XC race in Scott's case and just race and head side parts of their brand. Again, on the free ride and sort of or DH enduro side of things, they're making really light skis and bikes. And so that was where my head was at on that one. Pun not intended. <laughs> Damn it. David might be beating us all right now badly. Eric, say something smart so that we can pretend like the three of us are saying smart things at this point in time. Okay. I think it's also really important to note that both Head and Scott seem to, it would be really interesting to sit in with their design staff, their engineers. They both seem to really love uh, kind of pushing the envelope in terms of not crazy tech, but new and interesting tech that, uh, you know, can sometimes be a little bit like envelope pushing in terms of uh, causing people to think a little bit differently about how stuff is supposed to do things. Um, you know, if, if you like those words, I hope that makes me sound real smart and stuff, but (laughs) yeah, I told you I'm barely hanging on tonight, Eric. So I thought that was incredibly articulate personally. I just think of a lot of like head skis, what they do with like tip shapes and like 
uh, ski construction um, is uh, fairly aligned with what Scott will do with like their, you know, integration for their parts or, you know, pushing the design envelope with what they'll do with like, uh, you know, shock suspension or, you know, just how they might package things, stuff like that. I keep wanting to do this. Oh yeah. But what about, and then refer to the head monster series. And I, in like 17 times in the last three minutes, I've had to keep telling myself the monster series doesn't exist anymore. And then I get sad and then I forget. And then I do it all again. It's like goldfish brain right now. Yeah. I like this actually. I think meaning the pairing, not that the monster series is gone, but I like I like this Scott head pairing more than I came in thinking I would. Okay, but this then begs the question, David, who are we pairing up with Giant? Yeah, my answer for that is Elon. And basically on the basis that they're two really big companies, but a huge part of their business is making stuff for other companies. And so both of them have their own lines. They make their own things under their own brands, but also do a ton of manufacturing for a whole bunch of other people. David Golay is just throwing a no-hitter tonight, ladies and gentlemen. This is like what we are witnessing. I'm just saying that's the right answer. I don't even care what you guys have to say. I mean, okay, does anyone have anything truly smart to say or are we just moving on? I think Elon is a drop-the-mic answer. I had the same answer. Okay, Eric has like his third way, but we're not going to ask for it. I had it first. <laughs> okay, once again, David stole Luke's answer. Okay, Santa Cruz. This will be interesting. Lou Kappa, who'd you have? I had either Armada or Line, leaning more towards Line because they started out fairly core, fairly small and have now become pretty mainstream. They're still cooler than some of the other big brands, but they are big. And I was leaning towards line because as far as marketing goes, both are pretty like fun times. Just have a good time out there. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with line as my final answer. Boy, my question is, is line big enough? Well, there are a lot of different ways to look at There's these. There's some different ways to skin this cat, poor cat. David Golay, what'd you have? I put down Blizzard and I think my thinking on that was that they are both the like more or less the biggest companies that are one tier down from the real behemoths. They both are focused on kind of the mid to high end range of things. Like they're not out doing commuter bikes in Santa Cruz's case and not doing big rental fleets and stuff like that. And blizzards that was mostly where it stopped, but that was how I put it together. Eric. Uh, I actually said Armada as well. Um, kind of when I think of those two brands, I think of a uh, pretty heavy focus on competition, uh, both as like a development tool as well as like a marketing tool. Uh, seemingly pretty strong leadership and direction from the top of those organizations down in terms of influencing, you know, design choices, uh, you know, where they, where they travel in terms of what they release. And then, uh, seemingly also a lot of rider influence from their teams in terms of, um, you know, they're investing heavily in their athletes and kind of looking to their athletes to uh, really promote their brands. So, 
All right. So this is a little weird right now. Blizzard, Armada, and Line. Like, you'd probably pair Line and Armada a bit closer to each other. Blizzard is kind of the outlier there. I'm kind of wondering, though, again, just thinking about Santa Cruz and their size, we don't think on the ski side a pairing of either like Solomon or K2 would make more sense. Well, my thinking on that is that Santa Cruz is really big in the mountain bike market, but they're not making the range of bikes. Exactly. Yeah. They have a a narrower window that they're operating in. And so that limits their size below the tier of those kinds of companies that you just rattled off. Okay. Luke, what are your thoughts on this one? Why, why isn't Santa Cruz uh, K2 or Solomon? Yeah, I guess I could see them as a K2 maybe. But yeah, I feel like the the vibe they give off is just a little bit it doesn't feel as big as Solomon or K2 if that makes any sense whatsoever. Okay. Well, then a different way to put this is so we have no bike company equivalent to Solomon this year? I have an answer. You do. What do you got? It's imperfect and you could make the same criticism of this that I just made about Santa Cruz. So again, don't totally love it. But uh, for them, I put down Rocky Mountain. My thinking on that one was that basically they, they're companies that make a big-ish spectrum of stuff. Rocky Mountains is a little more constrained than Solomon's is, to be sure. They have a couple models that are really interesting, a couple more that I'm frankly less interested in. They have, And so... This was, I think, one of my weaker ones, but it was the the best thing I came up with. One side kind of had stronger options for most of the other companies that would conceivably be in contention. Friesen, what do you think about Solomon and Rocky Mountain? I could definitely roll with that. Um, I was also sort of thinking GT might be a, a comparison you might be able to make. Uh, similar, you know, big spectrum of offerings and uh, I like a lot of what Solomon's been releasing in the last couple of years, and it's kind of the same thing with GT, where they seem to be getting uh, some new design language that's pretty interesting, and you're seeing that integrated across their their lineup. Wow. I think Friesen won that round. Agreed. I actually like that better than my answer. This is why I have these three assembled, ladies and gentlemen. One of them, One of them might not say something dumb to make up for the rest of us at any given moment. So, all right, Solomon and GT. We're going to get back to the bikes list going first, but let me just stick with this. I asked about Solomon as well as K2. Anybody have the best pairing for K2? So for K2, I went with Kona. They're both Washington companies. I think they're both pretty good on scale in terms of match. They're both companies that have been around for quite a while, had a little bit of a lull, you know, call it 10 to five years ago, but have seemingly kind of righted the ship, have made some really good stuff of late, and I think they match up pretty well. Can any of us offer a better answer for that pairing? I like that one a lot, but Luke, what do you got? I, I'm not as tuned into scale on the mountain bike side, but Kona and Norco um, were the two that came to mind. I don't, Norco might be like 10 times smaller than Kona, but 
Yeah, kind of for similar reasons that David mentioned. David, thoughts? Yeah, I think I don't hate it. I think Kona is a little bit better in terms of scale and the fact that they both offer a little bit bigger range of products than Norco does. But it's it's on the right track. Eric, break the tie here. You want to go K2 is Norco or Kona? I'd go... I would go more Kona, I think. Um, you just... When you look back, like at the last twenty years, I feel like both K two and Kona, they're you know their models have changed, but their like design language and attitude and and sort of approach has been pretty consistent across a pretty long time frame, um, in terms of the the feel of the products that they've been putting out have usually have aligned pretty closely from year to year, even if like a, a a layup in a ski changes or a linkage changes on a bike. Um, I think you, if you picked up either one from any time in the last, you know, 15 years, you'd have a pretty good idea of what you were in for generally speaking. Okay. David, hearkening back to part one of this conversation, if you had to buy stock today in Kona or Norco, who are you going with? And is it a hard answer or an easy choice for you? Uh, it's not that easy. I'd probably edge, give Norco the edge. I think they are a small, I would guess that they're a smaller company by a decent margin. I think both of them are sort of reasonably well-established and companies that I think are going to do just fine, but not necessarily explode and have a massive return based on just current prospects right now. But I think I'd give a little bit of an edge to Norco just on the fact that I think they have a little bit more headroom to grow and get a little bit bigger than K2 has room to, I'm sorry, Kona rather has room to uh, grow from where they're at right now. Eric. Same. All right. Luke, we're not going to ask you because we know you're still, we learned last week that you're diversifying your portfolio. <laughs> so you're probably thinking about like, you know, I don't know, investing in like corn fields or something. So you probably haven't really thought about this one. All right. I kind of want to do next, I want to go YT and then I want to go Canyon. So let's start with YT. David, what do you think are the most important defining elements of YT and who do you link them up with? Yeah, so for YT, they are direct-to-consumer, a little bit less expensive than a lot of their competition. They're kind of a little bit aggressive punk or metal vibe to them. They're big in the free ride world in particular, and they're a company that you see a lot of younger people riding. And so from that angle, I put them up with line lines, not direct consumer, obviously, but they're again, a little less expensive. Generally they're big kind of park free ride freestyle brand and something that you see a lot of younger skiers on Luke. What do you think? Yeah, <clears throat> this one was tough for me. I, I could see line moment was one that came to mind mostly because of their marketing, but I ended up just like, very much honing in on a single thing and that's like marketing videos and just how they uh, advertise their products and their brand. And I decided to cheat kind of and only say Rosignol free ride, 
the free ride branch of it, mostly because they put out this super goofy like full length video this year that was just totally out of left field and YT kind of has a reputation for doing that whenever they launch a bike. Um, so I'm not saying mine is, is probably very much not the best answer, but that's what went through my mind. I actually don't hate your answer, Luke, but Luke, who did you have for your number one pairing with moment? Uh, number one, I can't remember. I think we're going to get to it. Okay, well then, sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, Common Saul was my Okay, so that's who you're saying is most, most momenty. Yeah, in my mind. Okay. Eric, what'd you have for YT? Uh, I actually had Black Crows. You have your work cut out for you on this one, I think. Yeah, fairly chargey vibe. Um, Char- fairly chargey <laughs> vibe. That's another, another great shirt. shirt. <laughs> All right, well, fairly chargey vibe, and I'm air quoting here, pseudo cool brand. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know what to say about that. David, what do you think of the YT Black Crows comparison? <laughs> Not that into yeah. it. I don't have a very concrete explanation for why, but it, it it doesn't feel right. Luke, do you want to bail out Eric or pile on? I mean, I could see some of it, but like Black Crows is so French and YT is very much not. And I think that's that's what breaks that one down for me. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we need you in the comments section to weigh in. Help us out here on the YT comparison and what you think of Eric's YT Black Crow's fairly chargey vibe comparison. Okay, I think we're going to keep it moving. Let's go to Canyon. David, what should we know and who did you link them up with? So Canyon is another direct consumer company that's known for offering pretty good value in their products. They are a little, they're, they're German, they're kind of, a little bit stereotypically German in some ways in terms of just being a little more straight laced, a little more serious, uh, than say YT, for example, um, just to stick with that example. And so this was not an answer that I was super excited about, but the one that I put against them was faction. I think they're not terrible approximations of each other in terms of scale. I think that they, both have a medium large range of products, but they're not trying to hit absolutely every niche under the sun. They both Canyon does have a pretty significant race program and faction Scott, not racing obviously, but sort of a pretty prominent team of athletes. And so it's a, it's an imperfect one, but that was the best thing I came up with. Luke. I said Blizzard, I think because they, I don't think either brand tends to really push the envelope in terms of tech or geometry in the bike case. I'm guessing Canyon's a whole lot bigger than Blizzard, but that was another one where like sometimes I just think about these like someone with a Canyon bike, I think would ride Blizzard skis or I could see them riding them. But this was another one where I was, I was struggling a bit. Eric, <laughs> I was about to say help us out here, but... That's not what I'm here for. <laughs> that's not really your dance move. Nope. But uh, what do you got? Uh, I was... When I think of Canyon, I think of vocal skis. Um, and I, I think the reason for that is 
I mean, they're both very Euro. Um, and I think of kind of obscure design language and some, some stuff that's a little like, why did they choose to do that? And it seems like oftentimes it winds up working really well. That was, I, I think of those two as, as being quite similar, I guess. And they both, they both have a pretty huge spectrum of offerings, move a lot of product. They don't sell to people in the same ways, but vocal. Well, I don't know who best aligns with Canyon, but I'm, for some reason, I feel like it's not vocal. So let's reverse this one. David or Luke, who is the vocal of the bike world in your opinion? I'll go. I had pivot written down for vocal. My thinking is they're both companies that have a pretty significant race heritage. They're both known for making lightweight carbon fiber stuff and obviously pivots American vocals, like Eric said, pretty emphatically Euro, but pretty German. But from those two angles, I think they match up pretty well. Luke? Yeah, I had had pivot on my list as well as uh, vocal was my second for specialized. I think mostly because of size and the fact that um, they'd both come out with some pretty great skis recently. But yeah, yet again, another disappointing answer where I wasn't super uh, excited to share it. Okay. Yeah, I was disappointed in that whole specialized vocal thing. <laughs> All right, that's, you do it then. Well, that's definitely not right. So I'm liking the uh, I'm liking the pivot vocal pairing better. So yeah, Canyon. We need help on Canyon. I feel like people. Let's talk about Ibis because in some ways this is another company that I could very much be like Luke Kappa level wrong here, but I was thinking a little bit about Ibis and vocal. So David, are you into that one or definitely not? I think that's fine and works for kind of the same <laughs> I reasons that I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's not super wrong. I don't love it. I think you could say some of the same things about that comparison that I did about pivot to vocal, but I think Ibis is a little bit less good just because of how they have kind of branded themselves and especially their earlier history as a company that um, was really known for being weird and quirky and have definitely moved away from that in recent years as they've grown. But that was part of their DNA to begin with, at least. Luke, what do you think about the IBIS pairing? Yeah, for me, I thought for some reason Forefront came to mind for IBIS because I feel like they're two brands that started out small and have been around for a while and have garnered a, a very loyal following. And I mean, I guess like IBIS is DW Link, Forefront has had various kind of technologies that they've become known for for a while. But yeah, it was an, it was another one where I was like, I bet I could see someone who rides IBIS bikes on forefront skis. Hmm. Friesen. I don't like that pairing. What do you think of that one? It's not my favorite pairing. Um, I mean, I think Luke makes a great argument cause he's real smart, but <laughs> <laughs> don't suck up to Luke. <laughs> Nobody needs that. Um, yeah, Luke does. <laughs> yeah. Except Luke who badly needs that. <laughs> I was kind of thinking Ibis and 
uh, Blizzard as uh, two companies that were fairly similar. They have, um, when you look way back, they've definitely got a lot of race heritage, a very loyal following, and a couple very uh, culty products that people uh, really, really enjoy, as well as probably like similar size in terms of scale, in terms of their respective uh, segments that they occupy. So, Really? you it, That was my big question about, you see Blizzard and Ibis f- lining up nicely in terms of kind of relative scale. Well, I mean, I think you're, with what Ibis is doing with selling their AF frames, um, and I have no idea, but I figure they're selling quite a few of those because they're a hell of a bargain for what they're giving you. Um, that probably helps them play a little bit closer in, in this analogy as compared to, you know, a couple of years ago where, you know, they were offering exclusively like carbon, very upscale frames. So, cause Blizzard certainly, I mean, they have, you know, they have a full suite of anything from like a rental fleet all the way to, you know, like hard to get bodaciouses. Those don't exist anymore. You two need to stop. I'm going to keep Bodeshi. Bodeshi. <laughs> I have two pairs in my basement, so I'm I'm doing okay. But <laughs> you're stockpiling a little bit. What do you think of the Ibis Blizzard pairing, David? I think it's 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 not terrible. I think the scale's a little bit off. I think a bunch of what Eric said about them in terms of having race heritage, but having kind of moved away from that to some extent and broadened their appeal is totally right. But for along very similar lines of thinking, I actually had Dina star as my match for Ibis. I think they're both companies that have done. Yeah. Like we said, race heritage again, but in recent years have, uh, you know, Ibis has the AF frames that they have sold a billion of, like Eric said, and have moved themselves down market into more kind of, people who wouldn't wouldn't have bought Nibis in years past. Similarly, Dina Star has had a lot of success with the M Freeze, and those are kind of a product line that's different than the sort of stereotypical Dina Star customer from five or ten years ago. And so on those fronts, I saw them matching up pretty well. Damn, that was a pretty good answer. Luke, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to tell, uh, Taylor, edit my answer and make it sound like David's. <laughs> just like auto tune you to David. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That was pretty compelling. You buying that, Eric? Oh, for sure. No, Dina Star was the other one that I had written down. So. Okay. No. I, I like that one. Yeah. David, man, not throwing a no hitter anymore, but like he's, he's, he's still on fire. Let's go Yeti. David Golay, what do you look at as the most important defining characteristics of Yeti bikes? So they make relatively high-end carbon bikes exclusively. Relatively? Do we need to use the word relatively? We can go with very. We can, we can Luke, go like, Luke was okay with relatively. They're, I mean, they just don't make cheap bikes like they're i wouldn't say their bikes are like compared to a lot of other brands like comparing equivalent build kits i wouldn't say they're drastically more expensive but they're just skipping the lower right exactly i think that's correct they have a super loyal and vocal fan base and uh for those reasons i had them matched up with kesley okay luke thoughts yeah, for me, it was Kessley and DPS. Um, 
I feel like Yeti is a brand. I don't maybe when like they first came out with their Turk frames, we're like emphasizing that these are like the best carbon frames. DPS emphasizes they make the best carbon skis. Both brands have very loyal vocal no pun intended <laughs> vocal uh customer bases. V O C A L, um, not V O L K L or V O L K L. Yeah. That's how puns work. Gotcha. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, basically, yeah, I I thought DPS and Yeti were a pretty good match. Though there's another brand that I would also uh place next to DPS. I would bet five dollars that we have the same one in mind there, Luke. <laughs> I'm gonna see where this goes. Uh, let me try this on, see what you guys think. I actually like currently, and right, let's emphasize again, every one of these conversations we do every year underscore the word currently because these things shift. I am liking the Kessley analogy better in part because I feel like I might be, I might be about to get roasted here by the group, but in part, I think if Kesley is making the happy-go-lucky ski that you don't actually have to be any good at skiing to ski, I haven't seen that ski from Kesley. Like, I think Kesley still reward good technique in a way that, again, we're talking generalizations here. I think Yetis reward good technique. I don't view Yetis as the most forgiving bike if you want to just go be sloppy all the way up and down the mountain, which is how I prefer to ride. <laughs> and I'm not sure that I view Kessley's that way. Thoughts? I buy that. That's right. Friesen's just mad about my self-description. He's so disappointed in me. He's like, I know it's true. I'm just so, so disappointed in you that it's true. Luke? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good point. I, I don't, I don't know if any of us have ridden any of Yeti's recent 27.5 bikes, which they call like jib bikes. So, I don't know about those. But yeah, it seems like that's pretty accurate for like the SP130 and the 150. Eric? I had Kessley and DPS written down. So, I don't really have much else to add at this point. Okay. All right. Well, then I'm going to, I'll be the judge on this one. We're going to go Kessley this year with, uh, with Yeti. All right. I'm going to go back to the ski side of things and we'll reverse this one. But I had a question for you. In the ski world, we have a company called Coalition Snow, which is a women-owned, women-run ski, and they're also making snowboards company. Will we ever see a women-owned, exclusively women-owned and exclusively women-run bike company? David Golay. I think it'll happen and I'd be stoked to see it. It doesn't exist quite yet, but just totally anecdotally looking at people who are out on the trails who I'm seeing around here, the number of women out mountain biking has exploded in recent years. I think that'll continue and I think that will lead to the bike version of Coalition existing at some point. Luke? Yeah, I, I mean, mostly I just think of Wild Rye Apparel, um, which is obviously an apparel brand, but... I've like everyone I've talked to, including several of our reviewers who have used their stuff are just so psyched on it. And I think there's a huge market there. So I think it's only a matter of time. Okay. Let me ask you guys this then. So your answer is going to be five or 10. Those are your only two options. 
is your prediction that we'll see a women-owned, women-run bike company within five years or within 10 years? David? I'll be optimistic and say five. Luke? Especially if the market like doesn't fall off a cliff after the huge rise it's seen, I'd say less than five. Eric? I could certainly see five years as well. I probably would have said 10. Um, Logistically, it just seems like a a nightmare of things to do for anybody. Uh, But here's here's hoping it's three. Yeah, I mean, the current sort of bike industry supply chain issues might be the reason that it, it doesn't happen. I think it's just a really horrible time to be trying to start a bike company right now. And so for reasons totally unrelated to anything to do with that company in particular. So that might be what slows it down. Yeah, I was definitely going to go with 10. It just seems like a much safer bet given everything we've got going on in the world. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's keep it moving and talk about Evil. You may have heard of Evil Bike Company. David Galay, what are the most important things in terms of your own thinking about evil and how you frame or size up that brand and who is the ski analog? So the way I describe evil, they're a medium large company. They only make mountain bikes and a couple of kind of gravel bike sort of things, but not a full spectrum of road bikes and cheap bikes and so on. They were as we talked about in previous versions, pretty emphatically the cool kids a couple of years ago kind of hit the saturation point where again you know as we said before through no real fault of their own people who were emphatically not the cool kids realized that they were the cool kids and bought in jumped on that train especially in the last couple years they had a little while where they were seemingly sort of sitting on their laurels and hadn't updated their bikes in a bit they were making some stuff that was really progressive and interesting five years ago and just sort of kept making those without an update for a little longer than might have been ideal. And so I kind of, especially for the cool kids that were the victims of their own success angle, I had them matched up against black crows for sort of similar reasons. Um, I think the part where they were slow to update the line matches up a little less well on that case, but it's a good answer on at least a number of fronts. What do you think Luke? Yeah, I had black crows too for most mostly similar reasons. I wasn't thinking quite as much about like the updates to the lines, but I think they kind of match up in popularity scale being, I think maybe black crows is still more of a cool kids brand than evil is right now. But, um, I think they match up in a number of regards. Eric had the same thing written down. So, okay. I think it's pretty solid evil black crows. And I do have somebody in the bike world who I trust a whole lot on on these things who is actually really, really loving, I think both the following and offering, like was sort of like, you have to have to, like for me personally, he's like, you should just need to hop on these and check them out. And you get into those debates about, all right, given where we ride exactly and all the rest. So I don't know. That was a really not that relevant anecdote about evil. So I'm just going to apologize and we're going to keep it moving. Privateer, going small. What are the most important things we should know and what's the analog, David? 
So things with Privateer are that they are may, they have a relatively small line. They only have two current models, and they're very specifically focused on a certain slice of the market. They're making very aggressive, progressive geometry bikes at a really modest price point. And so they're kind of, as a result, they're a little heavier than most just because they're not throwing as much money at shaving weight wherever they can and so on. But they're built super well. They ride really well and they're cheap, but they're not, yeah, they're not light. And so the matchup that I went with for that was actually Kai. They're similar age companies. They're both pretty small. They're both making pretty heavy stuff and they have a very specific targeted customer who is that company's customer and they're not trying to make something for everybody but they're pretty dialed in on making products for the people who they're looking at eric what do you think of that one uh i like that better than my answer so another vote for kai shapes okay luke yep i had the same thing same reasons yeah, I think that one is super solid. Mostly what I'm learning from this conversation is that David is really good at this game and we definitely need to give Eric his own t-shirt company to just like <laughs> roll out roll out these roll out these, you know, little quips and sayings for the t-shirt. I'm going to I'm going to buy all of them. So uh yeah. Yeah, that was solid privateer and Kai shapes. All right, David, let's keep it rolling. And go with Banshee next. Okay, so for Banshee, I'm going with Pryor. They're both BC companies. They are both companies that we talked about last time as being a little under the radar and making some super good products that not enough people are paying attention to. They're both making, again, sort of largely, relatively burly, relatively heavy bikes and skis, respectively. So there we go. Luke is nodding vigorously. Yeah, that's what I had. I thought it was pretty obvious. And oh, that was a put. That was a slight put down <laughs> at you, David. I mean, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> Any moron could have come up with that one, David. No, but David brought up uh, all the main points. I'd also add that I feel like recently they both uh, made some cool updates to their lines, and I feel like I mean, prior more on the snowboard side, but have history in kind of the underground free ride scene in the equivalent sports and they both make really good looking products. Eric, can you top that? Definitely not. I was going to try to make an argument for Praxis, but between those two and their answers, I, I'm not even going to try at this point. Okay. Yeah, that is clearly the right answer. Well done, folks. Revel. David, where are you going with Revel. I think Luke should go first so he can't get mad for me taking his own answer. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Luke, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I would have passed on that opportunity for this one because I'm not super confident in it. Oh, I, right. Just this one, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the other ones, I, I knew it from the start. Um, for Revel, I the timeline doesn't really match up, but right now I'm going to say season in part because they're both pretty small. They both have very... Um, modest uh, product offerings in terms of the number of things they make. And honestly, that's about all I got. <laughs> I really disliked that answer at first, but then the more you talked, the less I hated that answer. I've got a different take that's also definitely not like an exact match, Luke, but I want to hear, David, what did you have for Revel? 
I went with Wonder. So I think they're similar age. They both have an interesting story with materials revel more on the side of their wheels than their frames, but they're doing doing something there and similar scale. Final answer. Damn it. That's pretty good. Eric, what'd you have? My answer is terrible now, but <laughs> yeah, I also had wonder. Um, I had the same things that David had written down. The other one that I would add is, is both organizations seem to have some pretty cool leadership, you know, calling the shots on what they're doing. So between Adam and Matt. Okay. All right. My answer, which is way worse than, I mean, I, th- I think wonder Alpine, I like that answer best, but when you hear me say this word, you're not going to like it, but give me a sec. I went with Fisher. And the reason is, yeah, Luke hates this one, but the reason is five years from now, I have this hunch that we're going to see some pretty quick growth with Revel. And that's going to, and I, I can't even finish this analogy. It's already breaking down pretty fast because Fisher's big, you know, I mean, is Revel going to start making fighter jets or where are you going with this? I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past Adam, but that would be badass. I would I would want to ride in a Revel fighter jet. But uh, I think they somehow, and I actually would be curious to have you guys answer this question as well. If we're looking at the next five years, let's leave it at five years, and we're asking what company are we going to see the most rapid growth from? I still see Revel as being high up there. And I'm curious if maybe you guys have a very, very different take in terms of bike companies. David, who would you identify as being like quickest, fastest growth over the next five years? Revel would be on my short list. Um, I think looking at the US market specifically, propane would be on that too. They're obviously more established in Europe and bigger as a company overall. Forbidden would probably be on that list. Those are way more niche. Those are way more niche than Revel is like, right? They are, but not, but we're talking about most room for growth. And so I think as at their exact moment right now, especially Forbidden is more niche, but I think they've got some, some room to pick it up and grow a whole bunch. It's going to be easier for Revel to go mainstream than a company who's making a bike called the Druid, except Game of Thrones seemed to be pretty name. pop. There weren't any... <laughs> druids and game of thrones what are we talking about anyway luke what do you think on this who are you betting on most rapid growth over the next five years and like i guess that's what i mean like the most mainstreaming of the company yeah well i think when we talked about like what would we invest in i think revel was one of mine along with gorilla gravity but i feel like revel has potentially more mainstream appeal than Gorilla Gravity. Then yeah, and I also think that Wonder was the better answer for the ski comparison. Okay. Eric, thoughts on all of this nonsense? Gorilla Gravity would be my other anecdote for bike company that's probably going to grow the fastest. I would still I would, you know, third voice in the room, I would agree that Revel probably has the ability to offer something that more um, more people in Denver are going to want in big urban areas. So. Which is ironic, given that Gorilla Gravity is literally in Denver. <laughs> Denver. Mm-hmm. But okay, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you learned something from that Revel conversation. 
Answer, not Fisher, but give him five years. <laughs> Here's maybe the the ultimate test. I think your Revel is going to look better hanging from the back of your Sprinter van than your Gorilla Gravity. So, and that's why I think they'll grow more. Thanks for sharing that, Eric. Maybe we'll have a t-shirt with a Sprinter van and a Revel bike on the back. <laughs> I might not buy that t-shirt, but I'll buy all your other ones. Let's go to Pole Bikes. David. I want Luke to go first here. He totally busted you on your like, that's what I was going to say. And he's like, screw you, go first. And you're like, I got nothing. Well, those were actually, well, except for the one where I told Taylor to edit out, I wasn't lying. Pole, I got kind of honed in on construction and they're known for making these very cool looking metal bikes that are like I still don't know how they put them together, but they look different than everything else. And mostly because of that, I said Stokely because Stokely still does Tetanel top sheets. And I feel like both brands, uh, their fan bases are pretty passionate about the product. I think where that one breaks down is the kind of brand image. And I feel like Stokely has a longer history but that those are my thoughts. David. So I had DPS here. Uh, oh my God. The, so hear me out though. So my rationale is that like Luke said, pole has a very different approach to manufacturing and material use. And like DPS has historically have been very bold about talking up how much better their materials and construction are than the conventional methods and materials that most people are using. And that was the the main thrust of my line of thinking. DPS is definitely bigger. They are not a great match for scale. And they're opposites in terms of brand image. I don't know that that's true. Okay. How are you thinking of that? I guess I'm just thinking about, I mean... So please correct me if I'm wrong and, or maybe this is an outdated perception, but I'm still thinking about pole as being like pushing things in terms of like, let's slacken things out. True. And kind of play much more squarely in that kind of downhill oriented world where DPS is literally the opposite of that. Boom. Points for me, David, you retired to the dugout. I'll take it from here. You've had a good run. That was a terrible analogy. Yeah, Jonathan, threw, Jonathan threw one good pitch. Yeah, one good pitch. <laughs> won the game. Hero. Yeah, I do not like. I do not like the pull DPS analogy. Eric, help us, dude. I can't. I also had DPS written down. Oh my god! That's why I had the big head banging. I thought I was going to squeak in a victory here with something <laughs> no one else was going to think of. But okay, Luke, what do you got? David and, and he had said that we might have the same idea for DPS and we didn't. Mine for DPS was uh, Mondraker because I think they both pushed things quite far a while ago and then stopped really doing that recently, um, mostly in terms of like geometry on the bike side and then uh, like rocker profile and shape on the ski side. Um, so that was, that was my thought and maybe, maybe we can redeem that comparison there or probably not. David. I buy that. And again, they're both companies that are like Modraker was really early on making a lot of carbon fiber stuff. Obviously that's become pretty much the norm these days, but they were 
comparatively early on jumping on making most of their line out of carbon. So in that respect, it kind of works too. All right. I think we're down to like our final three. Man, there's still a lot of companies we could talk about, but we've got to, you know, exercise some amount of restraint here. So any companies that we have not talked about, please, please let's continue the conversation in the comments section. You know, let's see what you all come up with because I really am curious to hear. But I think for our final three, well, let's go first with Starling. David, what do you got? So for Starling, I had Praxis lined up. They're both companies that have sort of partial customs as being a big part of their business. You can get, in Starling's case, they make semi-custom front triangles that you can alter the geometry on. Praxis does a lot of customs in terms of, they have kind of like basic models of ski, but then you can alter rocker profiles and widths and top sheets, obviously a whole range of, of the different parameters with them, core layup, et cetera. And so they actually seemed like a relatively neat comparison in terms of doing partial, but not quite full customs. You know, they're not a Wagner that is like starting, you know, you watch you open ask for a ski, you're kind of full clean slate. It's custom within certain parameters in a way that matches up pretty well. Luke or Eric thoughts on the Starling analog. I I don't know Starling super well, but yeah, I was thinking Praxis maybe or Shaggy's. Um, I don't know the scale of Starling, but they both kind of come across as like kind of small upstart brands like Starling's UK, right? Yep. So like n- maybe not quite as common for bike companies. Shaggy's is out of the Midwest, not as common for ski companies. That's That's another one that came to mind for me. I have nothing else to add over David's answer. I mean, I think he kind of nailed it. Okay. I don't hate Luke's Shaggy's answer, though. So, uh, partial credit. Canfield. David, what are the defining characteristics of the brand in your view? So, Canfield is a company that's been around for a long time. They have a really strong history in downhill and especially free ride scenes. And then a few years ago, they kind of went through restructuring. They moved. They've pivoted to selling direct to consumer. And so for all of those reasons, I have them matched up against Forefront. It's another company that did real similar stuff. Luke? I feel like whenever you ask David uh, to describe a company background, he cherry picks the very best parts to support his argument, which makes sense. Hmm. But, it's uh, called being good at arguing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like weird. It follows this logical pattern. Um, but anyways, this was this was my first pick for Forefront. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Luke is feigning complete agreement with David once again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not mad at that analogy. I didn't have it. And I honestly kept wondering, like, there's something just very sort of distinct about Forefront and and I I was having trouble like lining up the Forefront has not like reinvented the wheel a ton in terms of their shape and I, I actually I meant that I meant that as a compliment like for years now if if you went to Forefront you kind of knew what you were in for 
and um, in a way that has felt coherent from the brand. And I mean, given that I think a number of us happen to really like the the lane they're playing in, that's a very mixed analogy or mixed metaphor, the lane they're driving in, I think I meant to say, kind of makes sense. Eric, I'm curious, you're a bit of a forefront guy. What do you think of the Canfield analogy? Uh, it's not my favorite, I guess, but a lot of that just um, stems from the way I kind of pigeonhole Canfield into downhill bikes. And, and a lot of that stems from my personal experience with them. Um, so that's not really fair. I was actually going to make an argument that LibTech was – you know, could be a good one for uh, a similar brand to Canfield in that when you think of both, you think of one very specific technology that uh, people really need to buy into to use and appreciate and be loyal to their products, whether that's the CBF suspension or the magnet traction with LibTech, but something that's a little, um, that's kind of both companies have sort of like put their flag in the sand around that. And that's like, if you don't, if you're not on board with that, you're probably not going to be on board with their products. So. I like this answer quite a bit. Luke thoughts on Eric's answer. Yeah, I honestly, I hadn't thought of LibTech. I think mostly because their their skis were, it, it felt like they were kind of like not fully committed to skis for a bit. I mean, they, they what do they call them? Narrow-ass snowboards for a while. <laughs> um, but I definitely don't hate that comparison, especially from like, uh, yeah, just a branding perspective. I could see that. David, what do you think? Canfield with Forefront or LibTech? I think I still like Forefront a little bit better, but LibTech is a super reasonable answer that you can make a decent argument for. Okay. Look at us all getting along. I can't believe we're at the end here. I feel like I want to fudge and not make this the last one, but let's maybe make this the last one, and then we'll see if anybody's dying to bring up anything else here. Forbidden. Been kind of talking a bit about Forbidden a decent amount, and actually, David, pretty soon here, you're about to start riding one. Yeah, be getting time on a dreadnought here very soon. So that's exciting. Been looking forward to getting on one of those for a bit and uh, glad we made that happen. So sort of story with Forbidden, they're a new company, only have two models of bike. Their branding is kind of a little edgy, a little bit sort of stripped down and bare bones and punk. And for that reason, I had them matched up with season again, similar age company, new company, some similarities in how they're marketing themselves and seemingly both kind of really targeting a certain slice of pretty serious core rider or skier or snowboarder in season's case and not trying to make products for everybody at least yet. Luke, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, the main the main qualm I had with putting season with any bike company was that like one of their main things is that they were founded by two like a professional snowboarder and a professional skier. And for that reason, 
and because they're all black, I kept wanting to make them Atherton bikes, but Atherton doesn't sell any bikes right now. So, it's kind of hard to include them in this conversation. But yeah, I, I think the the overall vibe of both companies matches up pretty well. Yeah, I see where you were going with Atherton. I don't think that's a terrible... Well, I guess it depends on what the... The bikes aren't going to be like weird though. Atherton's not going to come out weird in the way that Forbidden and... They're a little weird. I mean, they're doing 3D printed titanium lugs with carbon fiber tubes holding them together. And they've got a kind of crazy DW designed six bar suspension layout. So there's there's a little bit of weird going on there too. We're getting getting weird enough. Eric, what do you think? Forbidden. This was where I, Kai Shapes was what I had here is kind of um, my my most like brand. Same small lineup, uh, emphasizing ride quality above all else. You know, fairly uh, edgy kind of marketing. I'm I'm making it very direct to Kai, like you know, kind of thinking a uh, little punk rock in general. Um, that was kind of where I had Kai Shapes as, as being most aligned. In terms of uh, being a little weird, though, just to like piggyback on kind of what we were just talking about, I, I think you could make an interesting argument for Forefront there, um, just because a lot of their shapes, you know, kind of uh, can move into that a little weird territory. I think I like Kai better than Forefront. Kai's, yeah, me too. But so does Eric. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. But wait, so what's our? Do we have a consensus on this? We like for Forbidden. It came. We're kind of. It comes down to season versus Kai, and maybe the Atherton team is also in contention. But are we? If they would we, sell a bike, yeah. If they would sell a bike, <laughs> Luke, what do you think, season or Kai? I'm leaning season because didn't we? We said Kai for something else. We had them for privateer. Yeah. I think they're pretty close to being equally good answers for Forbidden, but I like Kai to Privateer a little bit better, mm-hmm. which maybe puts Season into Forbidden sort of by default. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay, I have a couple of things that I want to do in kind of or wrap up to these last two weeks of conversations along these lines. Any company, bike or ski company, that you're just dying to talk about before we before we leave here. I mean, there's, again, obviously, I mean, a number of companies on either side of that industry, ski or bike, that we could have and haven't talked about yet, but you guys good? You feeling satiated? I think so. The only one that I had, like, extra notes for was Nolly. I'd be curious to what you guys thought. Nolly. David. This is not one of my better answers, I don't think, but I had... uh... Volley written down and that they're they're both companies that have been around for a while they are companies that have some kind of a little bit of a, th- a thread of weird going through them and have a specific customer who seems to be really excited about their products but that they haven't made the leap to getting the average median customer real stoked on them and so they're seemingly kind of moving along, doing fine, doing their thing for the people who are into them. And that's sort of the lane they're in. Yeah, that's exactly basically all the notes I had on them. And yeah, I had, uh, I think my brief summary was 
Uh, they are ugly, but they have passionate fans <laughs> in t- referring to their products. And I know people that love how they look. And I'm, I'm sorry if that upsets you. Um, but yeah, that was my shorthand. I mean, the guy is named Sexy Luke. So <laughs> if he's calling your bikes ugly, it's, I mean, it's not great for you, probably. Are we, do we give him an analog? Volet. Volet. Yeah, yeah. Even though Volet is a dedicated backcountry company. Yeah, I just ignored that part. Same, yeah. Okay, we're just ignoring I mean, very fundamental Like I said, it was a not fully perfect answer, but it had some some parts of it that worked. Okay. Eric, anything to add to the, the ugly child conversation here? No, I don't know that I would have been brave enough to say it, but I, Luke encapsulated kind of what i was thinking in that they're not the greatest looking products but some people really just ride or die okay all right we're gonna wrap soon but i want to ask you guys a few questions like we've just talked a ton right about these two different industries and making comparisons across the way so i'm curious if you guys have any takeaways from this, but here's a couple questions. We just started at the end talking a lot about like certain companies getting weird or being really out there. Where is more weirdness going on right now? Is it more in the bike industry or more in the ski industry when it comes either, I guess, to the design of products or in the branding or marketing of products? So, which is the weirder industry currently? Luke, what do you think? I'd say bike. I don't think ski companies are typically doing anything wildly out of the ordinary. I mean, like in terms of construction, I feel like Renown and Wonder are some of the two that have done something significantly different. Ski shapes have started to, I feel like we're in the middle of the bell curve these days. Like we're not seeing things super wild looking. Um, And I mean, if we're just looking at the marketing side, I feel like there's so much more money put into that on the bike side. Like you see some, especially like, like specialized when they launch a new bike or YT, you see some pretty putting out like pretty full goofy stuff films yeah, yeah yeah not not so much on the on the ski side so yeah i'd say i'd say bikes david i'd agree and i'm gonna add the prediction that that answer is going to be more strongly true in a couple of years and my thinking on that is that the bike industry mountain bike side especially has for the last mm, five years or so been sort of doing this game of figuring out geometry and everyone's realized that longer reach slacker head tube angle steeper c tube angle yada yada is kind of the direction to be moving in and it seems like we're reaching a point where we're settling into a little bit more of a normal on that particular front but that is now opening up sort of resources and brain power to start thinking about other directions to go experiment and more ways to get weird. So now we're doing more mullets and high pivot bikes and some, I mean, both of those are kind of frankly old ideas from the free ride era that have come back around in modernized versions. But I think that because geometry is settling down a little bit, we're going to see more 
innovation and more people getting weird on different fronts now that that's feeling a little bit more established and a little better figured out. Eric? I really like David's answer. I think the other thing that bikes have that skis don't is there's such a, a plethora of different suspension platforms that really play a major, major role in how bikes handle. Um, the, I mean, Luke talked about a couple of them just in his answer, but it's harder for me to picture ski brands that can really like be on either end of sort of the bell curve, so to speak, of of ski handling just in the way that you need skis to do a certain thing. Um, I mean, like Renown being an example of that, that they do things a little bit differently, but suspension with bikes opens up a lot more weirdness than I think you see um, comparatively in skis. Yeah. And I mean, that said on the ski side, you know, line has come out with some unusual shapes in the last several years, Folsom with their spark turbo getting pretty weird and interesting black crows is making a move it's not like there aren't sort of exceptions from a uniform rule but i do think we might be in a bit more of a uniform place on in the ski world interestingly i think if you ask this question okay so bike just pretty soundly defeated the ski industry in terms of who's currently weirdest but if you went bike versus snowboarding I think the snowboarding industry is pretty good, certainly from a branding and marketing point in in getting weird and keeping it weird. And in terms of just some experimentation in terms of shapes, I think snowboard versus bike is a less easy victory for, for the bike, for the bike industry, in my humble opinion. Luke, you buying that or no? Yeah, I'd agree. And I think, I mean, I feel like snowboarding had a head start over both ski and bike just because they are kind of counterculture from the start. So it's not like they're breaking a trend by being a little out there and different. And like the unique shaping trend has been going on for a while now, but I think it's just going to keep going. So yeah, I, 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 I like stumbling upon snowboard marketing every once in a while. It's a nice break from some of the other stuff. <laughs> we didn't talk a whole lot in terms of when we were justifying our comparisons or given the rationale we didn't talk a whole lot about teams and athletes what do you want to say about that like i think you might be able to make the case that a brand's teams are it's less of a thing today than it used to be uh, on the ski side of things where's the trend on the bike side of things david yeah, I think that's true on the bike side too. There are a handful of companies that are, I think, really kind of notable for their teams right now, like Comensal being one of the prime examples of that, and we did bring them up. But the list of brands for whom that's true isn't that long. And so I think most companies are doing more to kind of get their message out via more overall company impression and more specifically product related stuff and not so much on the team front. Okay. You guys accept that? Yeah, I'd agree. I think like, like bike side, come and uh, ski side faction stand out as having really good teams. I think what I also tend to notice is like certain companies, they might not sponsor a bunch of really big names, but they send free stuff to a ton 
of up and coming local athletes through all sorts of programs. Like on the ski side, I feel like moment comes to mind. Also, Dina Star has been doing that a lot lately. And even like, like this is an apparel brand, but Flylo, like I feel like they sponsor every kid on the free ride world qualifier series. And it seems like maybe common Sol is doing that, or maybe it just depends on what your local bike shop carries. But that's how I also kind of differentiate it. Like the people who are sponsoring the biggest names and then those who are getting on the ground floor. Well, folks, we're going to leave it at that. Eric needs to go eat some food so that he can rekindle his t-shirt company slogans that we're going to be rolling out any day now, probably maybe. But yeah, once again, I, I think you guys, we got there collectively. I think we came up with some really good answers to some of these questions. And then there were certainly some where we didn't quite get there. And so it would be really cool to see where you all listening to this maybe agree with us or disagree with us or can fill in the blanks on on some of the analogies we didn't come up with. So having said that, thus ends our portion of uh, Bikes versus Skis 2021 edition. And uh, we'll do this again in about a year. Who knows what the world will be looking like by then. That was kind of, I actually got terrified while I was saying that to be honest. So I should say instead, uh, and here's hoping that everything on earth is even better (laughs) a year from now than it currently is, because that will probably be the case. Amen. Everyone will be wearing pseudo cool kids (laughs) t-shirts. That's right. Yeah. Well, not even the cool kids air quote will already be onto the pseudo. That was already, yeah, that was like so nine months ago. Hey, thanks folks. I'm going to let you go. We're going to wrap for now. Take care everybody. And we will talk to you real soon. See you guys. Well, that's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And if you are enjoying these conversations, then please take 30 seconds to leave us a five-star rating or review in Apple Podcasts. Because where else are you going to be able to hear conversations like which bike companies are most like which ski companies? Come on. That's some five-star content, no? I also want to say thanks to Luke and David and Eric for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening and for letting us know which of our answers to these questions you agree with or disagree with. Finally, from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again tomorrow over on our Gear 30 podcast, where again, we have this fantastic conversation with the head of product for POC. So subscribe to Gear 30 if you haven't already, and we'll catch you tomorrow. Bye, everybody.